Welcome back to another episode of the Precision Rifle Channel podcast. I am here with my friend Brett Barnes. Brett, good afternoon, good evening. How are you today, sir? Uh, doing pretty good. Uh, the weather is uh, here in South Dakota's uh, getting a little iffy uh, for October, um, but other than that, uh, we're having a good day. Nice. Are you guys getting snow out there already? Uh, we did, um, and now it got warm enough that it kind of disappeared, but they're, they're talking a little warmer temps here coming up, and then, you know, some more rain and snow in the next 10 day anyway. <laughs> Man, I was hoping that when we scheduled the NRL championship in December in Texas, that it would be somewhat warm, but with these cold fronts moving in already, I mean, there's a very good chance that we could have snow down in Texas. Well, that might fit right into my practice sessions that are going to happen between now and then. <laughs> <laughs> Advantage, right? Maybe, maybe. Awesome. So for all of our guests that aren't familiar with who you are, can you give us a background, like who you are, what you do, how you got started in this crazy sport of ours? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I'm Brett Barnes. I'm born and raised here in central South Dakota. Uh, I work for a software development company here in Mitchell, South Dakota. I've been there for 12 years, a little over 12 years now. Wow. And uh, probably a lot of the people that are listening to this are going to know Travis Stevens and who TS Customs is. And Travis and I, in a way, grew up together. We went to church together as kids. Our families knew each other. So when he got into gunsmithing, um, I was all in with having him build a couple rifles and and uh, he kind of got me started with a couple local matches saying I really needed to do it. I needed to try it. And, you know, I've shot prairie dogs and hunted my entire life. And that's really what kind of got me into shooting to begin with. So I've always done it. It wasn't anything out of the ordinary for me to get into or jump into a competitive setting per se. Um, but he really got me hooked. He got me started. He got me into that first match. I actually, it was a match for beginners here in South Dakota. Anybody that's never shot a match before, um, I ended up shooting well enough to win that. And that really kind of hooked me after all that. <laughs> you got the bug. I did. I uh, stopped at my parents' house in between where the shoot was and my house. And I was talking to my dad a little bit about it. And the first thing he said is, man, this is going to get expensive for you. <laughs> and it's all Travis's fault. Well, in a way, yes. But I, I don't uh, hold any grudges whatsoever because I absolutely love it. Nice. So how long ago was that? I mean, how many years have you been shooting competitively? Um, This is my very first year shooting NRL. Right. And I two years of PRS before that. Okay. And one year of just strictly local matches the year before that. So really, this is pretty much my fourth full year shooting competitively. That's phenomenal. Um, for those of you guys that have been following this season, Brett, this is, like I said, you know, we just became friends. I've seen you a handful of times this year. But it seems like every time I see you at a match you're in that top five. You're placing very well for the most part. I, I remember there was one match that you had, you know, some dope issues. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I don't want to talk about that one. No, I'm, I'm joking. Yeah, um, 
I I try really hard, you know, and and I like going into a match feeling comfortable with the way things are running. So I do put as much prep time in as I can, you know, make sure my rifle's running right, making sure my dope's lining up, making sure my load hasn't opened up on me or anything like that. Velocities are staying consistent. I like to go in feeling comfortable. Um, The very first match of the year was the Bighorn Steel Classic. And I had not touched my rifle or ammo or anything since the PRS finale the year before. Um, I was on a work trip in Texas. I jumped on a flight a day earlier than I was supposed to come home to make sure I made it back in time. I grabbed my rifle and the leftover ammo that I had from the finale. And I drove down to Nebraska for the Bighorn Steel Classic. And my performance pretty much showed how my preparation was. <laughs> gotcha. I don't. What was that? The first match that we actually met at? Because to be honest with you, that match, I was. I mean, I was frozen. I'm sure. I mean, you're a little bit more uh, accustomed to that kind of weather. But I mean, my my whole mental state, my whole everything. I was just like stay warm and I wasn't really focusing on too much else but did we was that the first match that we met at or was it the one after that um I we did talk a little bit at that match um I obviously didn't shoot well enough for a podium finish at that one so we didn't have interviews or anything like that but yeah there was a, a little bit of a meet and greet hey how you doing um, but that was pretty much it. it. It probably wasn't until the next one where we really started, we probably talked a little more anyway. And that would have been the uh, the Silent Night match down right. in Oklahoma. Yep. Awesome. Okay. So let's do a quick gear rundown. Let's, I mean, I know you, you've got some sponsors that work with you and that, that you represent very well. Um, let's start with your rifle build. Yep, obviously, um, Travis at TS Customs does all my gunsmithing work. Um, I am running a Bighorn Arms TL3 action. I run the Proof Research barrels. I've been, uh, this year I started running their new Comp Contour, uh, their really heavy Comp Contour barrel, and I I couldn't be more happy with those. Uh, The weight is amazing. The performance is amazing. Um, And then I've been running uh, Trigger Tech Triggers and foundation stock nice what caliber are you shooting most of the matches almost all of them but one this year i shot a 6xc okay and the one match that i didn't shoot the 6xc was a silent night match and um i was running a six dasher down there so why the xc over the dasher i've been running it the whole time um that was the one when when travis and i started talking about builds for you know, what we're going to do for competitive reasons. Um, that was really the one at the time that kind of um, went to the top of the list. And a lot of it had to do with it just being easy. You know, I can buy brass for it. I don't have to fire form anything. Um, it runs out of all the mags very well. And I got to know it so well that I just stuck with it. There was never a reason. It never gave me a reason to move away from it. And really the only reason I went the dasher route for anything was less powder, you know, um, a little easier to load for as far as uh, getting practice sessions and stuff like that. The barrel life is a little better in the dasher, so I don't have to worry about messing with with barrels um, quite as often. But 
Um, that would be the only downfall, I think, to the XC running that is, you know, I'm I'm pulling them at about that 14, 1500 round range. Okay. Uh, when I start losing a little bit of velocity, they're still accurate, um, still just as accurate as they could be, but it's always those unknowns. And when you're going into these big matches, I don't like unknowns. Nobody does. Right. No, I mean, and that's a very good point. And a lot of the top competitors, once they hit that threshold, whether it's a good barrel or a bad barrel, they just assume change it out because going to these matches, you know, when you're competing for those top three, top five spots, there's a, a lot of stake, so to speak. Yeah, there's a lot on the line. You know, the, these trips out of state and, and these matches, you know, you, you got to figure your entry fees and your travel money, you know, with lodging and food and ammo, plus all your practice time and the ammo you burned up for practice and all that. It gets expensive. So the last thing you want to do is go and, and not be prepared and not shoot well because of, of something that you could have prevented. Right. So speaking of that, it's a good segue into my next question. What do you do? to prepare for a qualifying national level match? I will, I'll go through and the first thing I, I always do is make sure my load is still running good. So I'll always do prone verification at that distance. Um, so I usually 600 to 900 yards. I got steel targets at a range here, just a couple miles from my house Nice. and I'll run out there and just, you know, lay down prone, make sure my load still looks good. And then after that, you know, I'll grab a practice rifle or maybe if I'm um, got extra rounds that, and I can give up some rounds on a barrel, um, I'll run my match rifle, the main one, and, and just shoot. I'll try to get, you know, maybe 50 to 100 rounds usually every two to three days of the week working up to the match, weather permitting. Awesome. So you mentioned you have a practice rifle. Is your practice rifle identical to your match rifle or is it a different caliber, different setup? It, it is. That's I have that, the six dasher running in that. It's also okay. a big DL3, also trigger tech, trigger, proof barrel. Um, I just have a McMillan A3 on that. Okay. Um, it, it feels pretty similar to how my foundation feels, but um, for practice purposes, it definitely serves me well. Nice. So you're practicing two to three days or two to three times a week prior to the match, uh, weather permitting, how far in advance do you start practicing? Oh, a couple weeks, depending on if I just came off of a local match or something like that. You know, if there was a reason that I got a bunch of trigger time in, um, and I was able to challenge myself mentally at a, a match or something like that. I might not go quite as often. Um, but other than that, I, I really try to get out two to three times the week before I leave for the match just to make sure everything's running good, making sure that I'm mentally prepared. I, I you know, I, you'll talk to a lot of these guys and I don't know what they'll say, but man, if I feel confident that in my equipment and confident that everything is running, it it really makes a big difference of how I do um, come match time. You know, it, it's it's interesting that you say that and you speak so much about confidence because over the years that I've worked with competitors and talked to athletes and so on and so forth, you know, one of the, the not one, but the most important thing once you reach that level is your mental state. And 
everybody kind of prepares themselves different mentally. And in any professional sport, uh, basketball, boxing, football, race car driving, golf, they have um, mental coaches that kind of help help them get prepared for a big game or, or fight or whatever it is. What is it that you do to prepare yourself mentally then besides check your gear? Because checking your gear gives you the confidence to know that that's ready. But how do you know that you're ready? Practice sessions definitely will tell you that. Um, you know, I'll, I'll practice on the clock by myself. I'll take a ladder out there and run the rungs on a ladder. Um, where I have my range set up is actually a really good buddy of mine. It's his farm and ranch. Um, so he kind of gives me free range to do whatever I want. And we've built a shooting stand. He's got cattle gates out there. There's fences, fence posts, there's old machinery. Um, so it's just a way of, I'll pick a different piece of machinery one night and just shoot 50 rounds off of that. You know, I'll, I'll work with something that I feel I maybe struggled with or struggled with uh, at a match before. And I'll, I'll try to take that one thing and concentrate on it for an entire practice session and just make sure my timing and, and mentally I'm prepared to run into a stage like that. So what would you say is your Achilles heel at a match? What type of a stage? You know, probably... Um, if it's windy, a holdover stage, it, it seems like every once in a while, a holdover stage will get me if there's uh, enough wind involved. Um, I usually do pretty well at the ones where you have to move. Um, I, I don't feel that that really hinders me at all, but there, there's been so many of them that have, have gotten me over the years <laughs> and still kind of do it. It just depends on the situation. And a lot of times it's timing. And it's really hard for me to, to, to go into a stage with a short time limit and know that I might not be able to finish in time. So I've really kind of, this year especially, I've, I've tried to wrap my head around a slow hit is always better than a fast miss. Right. Um, Travis has told me that time and time again, and it didn't really ever sink in. You know, it made sense. Like, yeah, I get it. Um, but until you bite yourself in the ass on a stage where you tried to rush a shot um, just to beat the clock to get to another position or to get another shot off or whatever, um, it really starts to click after you've made those mistakes. So, so time, yes, timing is a huge, a huge nemesis for most shooters, right? I mean, I know people that when they're not, you know, not worried about time or whatever, they're just phenomenal shooters. But as soon as they hear that buzzer go off and their time starts, it's like their whole world kind of crumbles in front of them. And by the face, we're on audio, but but we're looking at each other through video chat. Through the face <laughs> that you're making right now, I can see that that's happened to you quite a few times. How did you overcome the anxiety of the buzzer starting? Or have you? Really, just, just shooting more matches. 
the more matches you shoot, the more experience you get, the more people you're around, you know, you know, the more you shoot with these really good shooters, you know, the, the national rifle league is full of amazing shooters from all across the country. And the nice thing about this is you get to shoot against them, but also with them at all these matches. So you can kind of see what other people are doing for stage prep or how they handle themselves at a certain situation. And you'll pick up on things that you wouldn't have thought about. And, the more you shoot, the more stages you run into, the more people you shoot with, the more things you pick up on, the easier it gets. And I don't think that can be argued. You know, it's just like a big practice session, except you're on the clock. So, yeah, it still gets me, and it probably still gets a bunch of other really good shooters that are out there too, but you just have to mentally, you have to handle it. Um, you have to have short-term memory when you make a mistake. <laughs> well... I'm pretty good at having short-term memory. <laughs> so now, you, I mean, you have qualified. You're in a very good position for the NRL championships coming up in December. Um, you have just over a month and a half, roughly, before the championship from right now. What are you doing for that, to prep for that? Are you even thinking about it yet, or is it just – Kind of, I mean, I know it's hunting season, so I know you're you're a hunter, so I know that's you know probably uh, you know the most important thing right now as far as outdoor activities. But where are you at with getting ready for that championship? Well, in in a normal year, in a normal situation, I would be starting to think about that right now. Um, some of these guys listening might know, you might not know or know. Um, we had 18 inches of sewer backup in our basement here on 9-11. Oh, wow. And I've been trying to remodel my basement. And my reloading room is a complete disaster. Everything's tore apart. Every, nothing's in the same place that it was. So I haven't even been able to touch my press since that happened. Um, but once I get all that situated, I, I'm hoping this weekend I can get a lot of work done down there. Um, get a bunch of that stuff set aside and mentally out of my head. Right. Um, and I got a new barrel that Travis cut me. I have it on the shelf downstairs and I'm going to get that spun up and get it broke in and start, you know, load development is not much of load development anymore when you're running the same cartridge for as long as you have. I know within probably a half a grain of powder where it's going to want to run. Right. Uh, so just a matter of getting a new barrel broken, get a load developed for it, get a, a you know a couple hundred to a few hundred rounds on it, make sure it's it's uh, behaving properly, and get as much practice in as I can. So knowing that the match is going to be in Texas, is there a specific style of shooting that you're going to practice more? Like are you going to do more positional, more prone? Um, what is it that you're going to focus practicing on knowing it's in Texas? I feel pretty comfortable with my prone game. Um, so anytime that I'm out there just practicing and I'm out there for practice or I'm out there breaking a barrel in, it's always positional. You know, whether I'm shooting off of my tripod, whether I have just a, a bag on my tripod, whether I'm shooting off of cattle gates or a fence or whatever else we have built out there to shoot it off of, if I'm just practicing, I'm always shooting positional because I really think that that is probably the toughest part of all of this is getting steady in a positional situation, especially on the clock. 
Um, so having a little timer with you that'll beep at you when your time is up or something like that, it gives you that aspect of something else that you have to think about other than just breaking the trigger. Um, so it, it, it helps me, it helps prepare me that way, but I really like doing a lot more positional stuff when I'm out there practicing than anything else. Awesome. Awesome. So you mentioned that you, you grew up with Travis and he does all your rifle work. Do you guys practice together? Do you guys, you know, work in, in, in bettering each other? Or is it something that you guys don't really have much time to do? Or how, how does that relationship work? He's still an hour and a half away from where I live. So he's still in my hometown where I grew up. I'm an hour and a half south. Okay. Um, really don't, in, unless he's got parts and pieces for me that I need to drive up and grab or something like that, I, I don't see him much. Um. So, but you guys, he's all, you guys are making it sound like an hour and a half is a far drive. An hour and a half is like my daily commute to work in California, bro. <laughs> Sorry. We're, 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 we're used to an hour and a half being a, a long ways away here in South Dakota. <laughs> I drive an hour and a half to go to dinner. <laughs> oh boy. And I, yeah, you're, you're right. I, I, I've driven further for, for less before, but. You know, when I have a range, it's 2.3 miles exactly from my driveway to my range. I don't have a reason to go anywhere else. I, I, I don't blame you. I don't blame you. I wish I had a range that close to me. <laughs> I do have to pick targets up every once in a while after the cattle knock them over, but it's all good. Yeah, that's, that's an easy, uh, easy deal to have that much property to play on. Yeah, it, it's tough. so this going you know this being your fourth year are you planning for something different in two uh, you know in your fifth year in 2020 what is your schedule look like like next year because you you did quite a bit of shooting this year yeah i i did um i really wanted to shoot that monster mayhem match out in in cody and uh, my house situation just prevented me from being able to do anything there right uh but other than that, there's a few matches that I'll, I'll, I'll go to absolutely if I can make it. Um, but I did see that you guys added quite a few more matches up around the Midwest here for me to be able to drive to. So I would suspect that I might be able to hit a few more matches next season than even this year just because of what you guys have done and what you've added around us for matches within driving distance. Awesome. Awesome. I know... You know, like talking to you this year, we've got to hang out a couple of different times. Um, when I first met you and started getting to know you and watching you shoot, and when you, you know, first got on that podium, Brittany and I were like, you know, this guy's a solid dude, and we would love to see him go all the way and just take this thing home, right? Because what an awesome feat that would be. Um is that something that you think about or do you just go out there and play your game your way? You know, I, I think it's probably any, any competitor, anybody that is there to win and wants to win, they don't think about second place. So all the prep work mentally, physically, um, everything that you do behind, behind the rifle trigger time, you're doing it to, to go there and win. You are. Um, and it's all going to be a, a a prep thing and mentally who can go down there and whose equipment's going to run and who's going to shoot the best. And there's, you know, 
would it surprise me if I won it? Yes. But am I going to go in it and think that I'm just going to come in fifth place? No. Mentally, I, I got to go in and prepare myself for winning the whole thing. Absolutely. You have to have that winner's mindset, you know, if you're going to be at that level. You do. So besides the competition shooting side, like you said, you're an avid hunter. How, tell us about that. How's, didn't you post pictures up recently? You just went out? Yes. Um, I actually, so I, I have a, a 12 year old son and a going to be 10 year old son here in December. And they both had antelope tags. So this was, Caden is my oldest. Um, he, this was his first year that he was able to draw an actual buck tag um, for any of the units here in South Dakota. And South Dakota allows you to buy preference points for kids from the time they turn 10 to use when they turn 12. So they're basically nice. guaranteed a tag when they turn 12. And that's how that worked out for him. He was able to draw that tag. Uh, my youngest son had a mentor tag. So anybody in South Dakota um, that has kids and you feel that that child is mature enough to handle a rifle and to take an animal, um, you can get them a mentor tag. There is no age limit. It's to the discretion of the mentor. Very cool. Um, but we had, we had some windy, cold, snow, sleet nastiness on friday and saturday last week it was really really tough hunting and those kids man they hung in there better than a lot of adults that i've seen <laughs> and sunday turned around and it was 60 degrees and eight mile an hour wind and it was gorgeous on sunday uh, we were fortunate enough we were able to put a um, a herd of antelope to bed saturday night uh, we got there at first light sunday morning they were still there and it took us from first light until we fired a shot and got a goat down. It was like 2 p.m. It just, it, they were out in the middle of nowhere. So it was very, very slow stock, slow going. You know, we were two miles in on public ground, you know. So it's, it's not just a gimme by any means. And those kids are, man, they're amazing. They, uh, it sounds like they put in some serious work. They did, you know, and they'd never missed a beat. They never complained. They were muddy. They were, you know, it, 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 we had had snow out there and all of that had melted. So everything was, a, you know, sloppy mess. Um, they just, they never skipped a beat. They were, they're resilient little fellas. They really are. That's awesome. But he made a, we, I, I put together a 6XC. Um, with, it was one of the foundation's new revelation stocks, uh, okay. proof carbon fiber barrel. I chambered that it was on a, a TL three and I chambered that in a six XC and he made a, it was, I think 254 yards. Um, by the time the stock was all said and done, we got up on a hill and they were on the other side of the hill and absolutely perfect heart shot. He took three steps and tipped over. Nice. That sounds epic began then we got to skin him and quarter him and pack him out <laughs> that is so awesome so with your boys being that age you know uh, you said 12 and 10 yes sir um there's already young guns in the nrl like around that 13 year old age is competition shooting in the future for your boys or is that something that you're going to kind of hold off on and, and keep them focused on their hunting and academics? 
Um, they're in every sport they can possibly be in. So their their years are, are pretty busy with sports stuff. And they really seem to oh, filter towards that athletic sporting stuff. They both love shooting. They come out with me a lot and practice. Um, they've shot targets out further than most adults in North America would ever think about doing. Um, they're, they're very good at it. I just don't want to push them into something. I want them to want it um, right. before we go down that path. And uh, Caden has done a – he did a local match here last summer that we had. There was 30, 35 shooters, something like that. And I was able to kind of move the rifle around for him and stuff like that. He just, he pulled the trigger and did all the dialing and everything. And he got ninth place out of 30 grown men. That's awesome. So That's he, he's got it if he wants it, but I, I need to see that spark in his eye before I spend a bunch of money on him. <laughs> well, it, it, it's funny because I, I don't have kids, but you know, I have a younger brother and sister, a couple of them. And it seems like every time you try to force something on somebody, the further away they try to get. Um, so I think your approach of letting them kind of find out if it's for them is awesome. I want them to want it. Right. You know, I, I don't want them to just be that spoiled little kid that daddy bought everything for and now he's there and, you know, I, I want them to earn the stuff that they're going to get. I want them to want it. I want them to go out and practice and want to go out and practice. Um, and it's one of those things where there was some things shoved down my throat when I was a kid, and I, I won't do them to this day. Right. And I, I don't want that for them. I want like them to. Like what? Like cauliflower. Yeah, that too. <laughs> now we got to eat it just because there's no carbs in it. Right. Oh, God, crazy. Um, <laughs> I just totally <laughs> lost my train of thought. All my fault. That's all right. So, you know, relatively new to this sport, this is you're going to be going into your fifth year. Um, what do you see the future of precision competitions? What do you see it being? You know, I really, I can't see it being a, a lot different than the way it is now. You know, everybody's got ideas. Uh, everybody has good ideas. But to try to get everybody's good ideas on paper and to actually have them pan out isn't always, no, reality. Um, what you guys are doing is amazing. I, I love it. Um, the way you guys are expanding and the support that you guys give to the match directors and the shooters and the communities um, that you come into for these matches, um, I can see big things happening. I can. You know, the NRL, the 22 stuff is coming up, and I'm, I'm excited about that. I can't wait to start shooting some of that stuff next year. Uh, so, you know, there's, there's a lot of things that could happen, and I'm excited to see what's going to come. <laughs> I'm going to be a part of it. I can guarantee you that. I'll be there. Heck, yeah. We're super excited to have you there. I appreciate it. <laughs> so now here's here's kind of a weird question, I guess. Who in this sport do you look up to? Who do you think, if you can name the top three or five or, or whatever people that you 
look at and you're like, damn, that's just, you know, he's got or she's got their stuff together. Who would it be and why? Well, you're going to you're going to know the names that are going to come out of my mouth because they've been at the top of this sport for so many years. You know, they have good attitudes. Um, But, you know, you look at Jake Vibbert and what he's done. Um, He, you know, started selling steel and then started shooting and, you know, listening to his story uh, on his and and Pinch's um, podcast. It's it's fun watching where those guys came from, what they came from and, and where they're at now. And they have the same similar drive that I feel that I do. You know, so Jake and John, they're both great guys. Um, I've talked to them a little bit here and there, not a lot per se, um, but they seem very humble down to earth. They're there to have fun. They're, you know, they're not going to keep anything from you. If if they can help you out, they will. Um, Philip Vallejo is, he is so funny. Uh, he's just, he's a good dude all around. He knows his stuff. He's there to have fun. He's going to make sure that you have fun, you know, and and those are probably the the three main ones I look up to a lot, but there's so many other ones out there too, that, that you have to give credit to. And there's more of them than we probably have time to even talk about, but there's a, a lot of good competitors that in this top 20 list and it's really anybody's game. Okay. So now. Who is your top underdog? Top underdog? Probably me. <laughs> no, no. Besides yourself. <laughs> Besides myself. Um, you know, Paul Dallin. I, I know choice. Paul. I know Paul a little bit. I, um, I've stayed with him at a couple matches. I've shot with him at a couple matches. He's a very, very good guy. Um He's got some practice sessions that, you know, I need to take record of for sure. But he's been tearing it down, and I think he could go a long way here. You know, Paul is Paul is one of those guys. He's one of the nicest guys I've ever met. Family man, um, just a super, super awesome guy. And, like, for the first couple of years that I knew Paul, he was very quiet. And just recently, um, over this past year, year and a half, whatnot, he's really opened up and he and I started communicating a lot more. Um, And that man is just so far more intelligent than I thought he was. And and I I don't ever judge anybody like, you know, everybody to me is the same. I I don't look at one person and say whatever. I don't prejudge. Um, But because I never had an opportunity to really talk to him, when I finally did... Um, the stuff that that comes out of his mouth knowledge-wise is just insane. I was like, wow, I never, I never expected you to understand all of this because most of what you're talking about right now, I still don't understand. <laughs> <laughs> no, there's, there's so many good people in this, this whole sport. You know, that's it's the one thing is that it's just not full of a bunch of douchebags. Right. You know, everybody's good to everybody. Everybody's good people. Everybody's going to help you out if they need to or they can. Um, it's just fun. You know, so seeing these guys excel and succeed in this is a lot of fun for me. Um, and okay. I'm just, I'm humble. I'm humbled to be up there with, with those guys. 
Um, I, I know what I'm capable of. I've had a, f- a few bad matches this year, you know, whether it be not prepped or running Dasher dope when you're running the XC. <laughs> <clears throat> you know, you just – and I, I everybody kind of has those, and you got to shake them off. Shake it off and move on to the next one. And that was – probably one of the biggest reasons I wanted to get out to Cody and shoot is the South Dakota Steel Classic didn't treat me that well here at home and I wanted to go prove myself again and Mother Nature told me no. Well Mother Nature told us in Wyoming no as well. I heard and I saw some pictures. Yeah. It didn't make me quite as butthurt about not being able to go. No that was um, that was one of the most thought out well-planned matches that I've been to in a long time. Uh, Philip. That's his, Philip for you. Yeah. I mean, his entire team, they just, it, it was so well organized that I literally got there and I didn't know what to do because I had nothing to do. Right. So it, it was really uh, heartbreaking that they had to call the match early because of, you know, acts of God, you can't do anything about it. Right. But I nope. think he's going to come back with, uh, with even more and even, I, I don't know. I, I don't know how he's going to top it, but he's, I, I, I know talking to him, he's going to make next year's match that much better. So, well, it, that's exciting. I saw that it got moved up the list a little earlier in the year. Yep. Um, so it should be, it should be one that's doable to make to make it to for sure. And I'm excited. Yep. It's going to, it's going to be great. I want to, take a step back and talk about something that you touched on in regards to the couple of bad matches that you had this year. Normally when a competitor has a bad match, um, for the most part, when I see competitors not doing so well, you can tell looking at them that something's off, right? You can tell from their physical, the way they carry themselves, their facial expressions, the way that they're talking to other people, um, you can just tell something's not right. And it's funny because Brittany and I were, were, were talking about you and she was like, even she had mentioned, you know, even on the days that you're not having the best days, like South Dakota, you always have a smile on your face and you don't let it bother you to the point where people around you can tell. And I really want to commend you for that. I, I think that that's huge. That's, and I mean, I, I've seen great sportsmanship. I've seen people just with horrible attitudes. Um, but watching you and, and her picking up on it, you know, I mean, I, I think it was South Dakota. We did your precision rifle strut, you know, yeah. even right. Even after you were having a not so great day, you were out there having fun with us. And yep. that's huge. So thank you very much. Uh, that's anybody that knows me very well. That's my personality. I'm there to have fun. If I'm not going to have fun, I'm not going to do it. Right. Uh, everybody's going to have bad days, and that all goes back to short-term memory. You know, when things happen that, yeah, I maybe could have controlled it, but it's too late to control it. What are you going to do but laugh about it? Right. You know, you you get all pissy pants about something like that, and it's just going to ruin the rest of your day, the rest of your match for sure. And you just you can't do it. I agree. I agree. You know, the South, uh, the Bighorn Steel Classic. I had a really, really rough day one, 
you know, it just, it took me so much time to get into my rhythm and day one was over by the time I got into my rhythm and day two rolled around. And I think I shot the third highest score of day two, you know, so I moved myself from 40th place or something like that after day one, all the way up to 15th. And so there was a little bit of redemption there. (laughs) Absolutely. Got it. You you got to find those pieces and you got to stick with them and you got to hold on to them. And, and, you know, even if it's just a memory of, Hey, this happened that one time, it, it's still something to hold on to for the next match where you're having a bad stage or a bad day or a bad half a day, whatever it is. Right. You got to keep a smile on your face. You got to have fun. I mean, that's what it's all about, right? I mean, none of us are out here making a living at this. We're spending a lot of money, a lot of time away from our families, a lot of energy into this. So if you're not going to have fun, just don't do it. That's my that's my aspect of it. You know, some of these guys, I see what you see. You know, they're having a bad day and you can tell by the look on their face or the way they carry themselves or the way they're talking to anybody else that it's a bad day. And I just try to keep myself away from the bad vibes as much as I can. Go <laughs> in there and have fun. Yep. That's what it's all about. All right. So we're almost to the end of our time here. And one of the things I like to ask all the competitors on our show is what three superstitions, if you want to call them that, rituals do you have before you go to a match or at a match? I'll give you an example. Uh, One competitor always has to have candy in his bag. Another competitor told me that he has to kiss his daughter goodbye before he leaves for a match. Otherwise, he knows that match isn't going to go well for him. Is there a superstition or a ritual or an item that you have to have that's not gear related, like as far as a scope or orchestral or whatever, that you have to follow? You know, I might be the odd man out on this, but... I don't. Um, well, I take that back. There is a certain set of, you're going to laugh at me, but there's a certain <laughs> set. There's a couple different pairs, but you have lucky I, underwear? I have a set, set of underwear that I wear. <laughs> the lucky underwear. I, you know, I, yeah, maybe. Hey. But I was also wearing them at the matches. I had bad days. So, uh, you know, I, how lucky are they? I don't know. But that would probably be the only thing I can think of. Otherwise, I don't carry anything extra in my pack that I don't need. Um, so I, what you just told all of our listeners is between Saturday and Sunday or Friday, Saturday and Sunday, you don't change your underwear. No, I said I have sets. Sets. Okay. Okay. Just making sure. Saturday and a pair for Sunday. Friday don't matter. (laughs) Friday's just practice day. Very cool. So lucky underwear, and that's about it, huh? Really? Yeah. I don't. I don't have anything else that is a ritual or a superstition or. I can guarantee you from now on, I'll be checking to make sure the right gun profile is in my Kestrel before I fire the first shot. Right. (laughs) i remember when you came up to me and you're like i'm shooting the wrong dope all day i just i felt so bad because it it, it didn't make sense you know when we were watching you shoot we're like this doesn't make sense to us and 
it didn't make a lot of sense to me either. The numbers were close enough that I was still hitting everything inside of 500 yards or 600 yards, and I was struggling with the distance stuff. But you know as well as everybody that was there that you didn't see your misses. Right. The, the grass was so tall. It was so wet. You, it just, you didn't Swallowed see any. Up. Yeah. Yeah. Just so it was, it was tough. I just thought it was something I was doing or I thought I was getting, you know, the wind was screwing me, but you know, it, it is what it is. It tough was a learning learned. experience. There yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> and it wasn't even the most expensive one because really that was the closest match for me that I go to because it's only an hour and a half drive from my house. Well, there you go. In 2020, <laughs> you can have some redemption. <laughs> you bet. You bet. All right, brother. Is there anything that you want to say to our listeners before we sign off here? It's, I mean, it's, I've had a great time talking to you. It's always a pleasure. I appreciate your time. Is there anything that, that you want to share? Fun. Um, Just stick with it. You know, you get those days and, and you're frustrated about something or something's not working. Go back out there the next day and fix it and get your head right. You know, that's the biggest thing is is making sure your confidence is there in yourself and your equipment. And I've had a lot of days where I'll go shoot at night and something wasn't adding up. I'll skip work and go shoot the next morning uh, <laughs> just so I can clear my head and make sure that it wasn't, you know, something with the rifle and it was just me. Um, so, yeah, absolutely. Stick with it and don't give up. Never give up. Never give up. Great advice. Great advice. Now, we're not condoning anybody skip work. But if you have that luxury, feel free. <laughs> oh, I call in, but they know exactly what I'm doing too. Right? You've got some uh, seniority over there. You said what, 12, 15 years, something like that? Yeah, I've been there 12 years. 12 yep. years. So you've and got my, some seniority. Yeah, I, we get treated like adults, you know. So there's eight other people that do the same thing at my company that I do. So it's not imperative that I'm there um, all the time. There's people that can pick up the slack for sure, and I'm I'm grateful to them for that. And it's it, it's amazing. It's fun. Awesome. Well, again, thank you for taking the time to hang out with me uh, this afternoon. Um, we have California coming up next, and then Texas for our, our championship, which I'm very excited to see everybody at, including yourself. I uh, yes. wish you. All the best in, I don't know if you're still hunting or not, but if you are going back out, wish you the best with that. And Pretty much I, all. There you go, brother. <laughs> and uh, I look forward to seeing you, man. Yes, sir. I can't wait. All righty. Until next time, you guys, thank you for listening, for checking in with us. You guys, uh, be safe, keep shooting, and we'll see you all at the range. Take care. <laughs>